This is Passport Two, People and Places, brought to you by Jules Verne, taking you around the world, sharing memories and introducing you to the people at the heart of everything we do. I'm Abby, and in this series, I'll be delving into past adventures, inside stories, future journeys, inspiring you to discover the wonders of the world. Welcome back to another episode of Pass for Two, People and Places, brought to you by Jules Verne. I'm your host, Abby, and I'm delighted today to be joined by a lovely friend of the Jules Verne family, Pippa. Hi, Pippa. Hi, Abby. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And thank you very much for inviting me on. It's great to have you on. For the listeners who don't know who you are, would you like to introduce yourself and, and tell everyone why you are a, a sort of a firm friend of the, well, part of the Jules Verne family, actually? So for many, many years, I've uh, been a tour manager for Jules Verne, uh, which I still do now. But mainly now, I'm looking after the health and safety uh, for Jules Verne to make sure every aspect of the tour runs smoothly. Before I started in tourism 23 years ago, I came from a health and safety background. So it's sort of coming back into play now. So as we mentioned, a lot of our listeners and our clients will know you as Pippa, the tour manager. And we've spoken to previous tour managers before in series one. But do you want to let us know a little bit about what a tour manager is in your eyes and what you bring to a client's holiday? Okay, so a tour manager looks after every aspect from beginning of the tour, meeting at a London airport, to safely seeing the guests back into the UK, making sure they have their suitcases and waving goodbye. We do a little bit of everything. We're a bit of a a friend to people that are traveling. We're an organizer. Um, We can be a nurse. We can find, we're a bit of a fixer. We can find anything and everything that they need or want. We deal with authorities. Um, with hotels and we work very closely with the amazing guides and agents that Jules Verne use overseas. Yes that's the most important thing isn't it having a tour guide and a tour manager on a trip actually means that you sort of have double the expertise but even double the special relationships because you have such good relationships with our tour guides throughout the world and they and they do become friends of ours and sort of lifelong friends don't they? Yeah, definitely. I've got people I met years ago that I'm still that were guides for us overseas that I'm still in touch with now. I love that. So being a tour manager, you must have met so many different people with so many different stories to tell and different backgrounds. But do you have one person that sort of sticks in your mind as the most memorable person from your travels? Yeah, um, you meet so many different people and they all have different reasons for why they're traveling or where they're traveling to. And it's great to get those stories from them and understand, you know, why they've gone on this particular tour or to this country. But I think the guest that made me most proud to be a tour manager, uh, we were doing a tour in the USA and I had this wonderful man, we'll call him Bill who was traveling with a group who um, had impaired vision he couldn't see Um, and we linked arms and we did the whole of the tour of the USA together sort of Bill and I and the rest of the group were all taken in turns to come over and explain what they were seeing to Bill and what it looked like to them and he could hear everything 
But at the same time, he was taking thousands and thousands of photos every day. He was literally just pointing his camera shoot and just shooting whatever was in front of him. He, you know, he couldn't see what he was taking the photos of. And when he got home, he had a special extra large TV and he downloaded all the photos um, and got it very, very close and then relived the whole of his tour looking at these pictures Oh, and I gosh. just felt so privileged to be part of it or to help him with this amazing lifelong trip to USA. Yeah. It must have been really magical for everybody involved because everybody sees the world through different eyes and everybody describes things differently. So what a collective mix of memories he must have. Yeah. And what an amazing way to gel a group of people together as well. It was very bonding. Wow, just what an amazing story, an amazing person, but also what amazing people he was surrounded with on that tour. I'm sure that was really special to Bill, but it's clearly very special to you as well. A a memory that I'll never forget. One of the questions I want to ask you is, what was your first memory of of travelling? My first memory of travel, so this was showing my age now, this is back in the 80s. where some friends, uh, uh, we decided to go to Italy. And it was of that era where you couldn't go online and book in a hotel. You had to literally turn up, uh, knock on doors and ask if they had a room available. So off we went to Italy, no money at all, spent what money we had, ran out of money, spent three days sleeping in Naples airport, waiting for our return flight back home. But yeah, gave me the travel bug, made, made me want to do more of it. Gosh, it's those first experiences, isn't it, that we look back on and you think, oh, that's where my passion sort of derived from and and that's where everything I do now comes from that first moment of getting out, exploring and seeing something different because we are all explorers, aren't we? We're all meant to roam. We like, Naturally, we're meant to go out and explore and get out of our comfort zones. Yeah, very true. So w- tell me then, what was the story behind your your inspiration to travel? What inspired you to get out there and go on that trip in the 80s? My my parents were big travellers. Uh, my dad had always worked overseas in his, uh, in his roles. And I'd been sort of stuck in the UK for 15 years as a civil servant, um, trundling along not particularly happy and it got to the millennium and I was like right this is going to be the year that I changed my life it seemed it seemed a good time to do it and started off uh, working for Jules Verne's sister company Kawoni uh, as a holiday rep overseas and my dad was completely behind me he was you're never going to be rich but go and do it you're going to have the best life and here I am 23 years later still enjoying it and still taking in and enriching those experiences yeah so do you have a favorite a favorite memory of all of your travels that you've done independently as a tour manager with family is there one where you sit around and think oh that was the moment that travel took my breath away that's my favorite story to tell I would say one of my most memorable travel experiences was something I've been wanting to do for years and years and then was lucky enough uh, to do a tour of South America. And it was being at Machu Picchu and 
all the books you've read about the history, the exploration, when you're just stood there and you're at the sun gate and you've just arrived and the clouds are parting and you just have that view in front of you, photos don't really match uh, the experience that you have of being at Machu Picchu. It was awesome. Gosh, was it one of those moments where you just sit back and think, oh, I've made it? Yes, yes. <laughs> Gosh, wouldn't it be amazing to be in your shoes? Have you? How many times have you been to Machu Picchu? I think about seven now. And each time, there's still always a little nook and cranny or different places to visit there. It still has exactly the same effect. Um, and also, each group that you travel with brings a slightly different aspect to it, you know, different conversations, different views. So yeah, each time it still is awesome. So Pippa, tell me, how do you plan your travel and how do you make sure that wherever you travel to, you have the most memorable experiences while you're there? What research do you do? Um, Planning to travel, I'm a spreadsheet girl. Everything has to be on a spreadsheet timings, directions, distances. And then while I am overseas, I revert back to the spreadsheet and I make sure that I'm in a position to get sort of the most I can out of a day. You know, I section off with tour managing. I section off, I know early in the morning is when I'm going to do my, my paperwork and reports. They're done so I can then get out and about with the guests and visit all the antiquities and sites. I'll give you a little example of making the most out of a day. Um, I was lucky enough to live in Egypt for many, many years. It was a long working day. So my only spare time was sort of in the early hours. So I got quite addicted to hot air ballooning. Addicted to hot air ballooning. This is, (laughs) wow. You have to be an early riser, so you're up at five o'clock every morning um, and you're going across to the West Bank in Luxor. Um, You'd imagine it's a very hot desert, but that time in the morning when it's still quite cool and chilly, the thermals are absolutely perfect, the best time for hot air ballooning. So every day, seven days a week, I would get up at five and go over to the West Bank and do the hot air balloon ride, you know, help them out, help the guests. Ah, just that, the balloon rising, the sun's coming up, you're silently gliding over the top of, say, Hatshepsut Temple um, or the tombs on the West Bank. It's just magical. Every balloon journey is completely different. You see a different vista, a different view so addictive it's an amazing feeling isn't it because all of a sudden you feel small and weightless and you look below you at the the landscape I was lucky enough to do it in Egypt last year I've done it in India and you look down and you think I am so small compared to mother nature or compared to the, the history that is below me And it's silent, isn't it? It's just silent, apart from maybe a few clicks of the camera and the whoosh of the hot air balloon going higher. Yeah. Maybe there's an idea for a Jules Verne tour. 
maybe hot air balloon trips throughout the world. I mean, me and you would be on it. Well, maybe that's what we do. Maybe that's how we plan our next travel. You and I, hot air balloon mm. around the world, podcast series three. <laughs> what an idea. I know. So is there one thing that you just cannot travel without? This is going to be a bit of a top tip. You need a roll of gaffer tape. Gaffer tape will fix absolutely everything. It'll fix a suitcase, a handbag, a shoe, a camera. Can't go wrong. So always gaffer tape. I'm quite big on rehydration sachets. So traveling in hot countries, they're a must. Uh, Have one every day, shake it up in a bottle of water. And I think the other thing that I can't travel without is a copy of Private Eye. Buy it at the airport, lots of political satire, and it's the kind of read you can dip into and out of any time of the day. So even when you're relaxing in some of the most wonderful places in the world after spending a day of exploring, you still want to entertain your mind? (laughs) Sometimes you just need to take you and switch your mind from one thing to another. (laughs) So moving on slightly, do you think these amazing experiences you've had all around the world have have changed you as a person? Yes. Um, And this was something I thought about during lockdown where I suddenly wasn't able to travel anymore. And I'd slightly maybe taken travel for granted over the years just because it was my job. And it was during lockdown where I got to reflect and realized how lucky I've been, how privileged I've been to be to all, to go to all the countries that I've been to. Um, and how lucky we are sort of in the UK to be able to have that facility to travel to so many countries where, you know, other places in the world don't have that. So I think it's, yeah, traveling has made me quite humble. How many countries have you traveled to? Do you know? I've not added them up. I don't know. I will do one day. Is there is there a continent or a country that you haven't been to? So what's next? What's your future travels? What's on your bucket list? <gasps> bucket list. I've not been to Japan. I'd like to go to parts of Korea, I think. And I can see Jules Verne, Great Journeys, have just brought out an amazing tour of Pakistan. And that's been on my list for a while. I'm a big fan of mountains. There's something about mountains. I don't want to climb them. Don't get me wrong. But there's just something about them being a warm hug and then being there and be grounded and stable. And the countryside and the landscaping in Pakistan, the mountains there, just looks fantastic. That's my bucket list. Oh, that's an amazing bucket list, considering how many places you have travelled to and all these experiences you have. Do you have a favourite destination that you travelled with just with Jules Fern? Yes. Uh, Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan, the Peaks and Petroglyphs tour um, that I was lucky enough to tour manage from, from the beginning. It, there's just... They always say... You should go and visit one stand in your in your life, you know, at least one. And I've seen, been lucky enough to, to visit most of them. And I would always say, if you're going to visit one stand, maybe Uzbekistan, because it's beautiful, you know, UNESCO have added so much to the country. But my favourite ones are Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan. 
they're just the two countries are such a contrast geographically you know Kazakhstan just that vast size and it's the ninth biggest country in the world um, and then Kyrgyzstan sort of small and compact both with mountains I think that's maybe what draws me to them um, but interesting you know they've been through the Soviet era they've come out of it they're predominantly islamic countries now but such a mix of people welcoming warm people um and just the countryside you know the snowtop mountains the driving through the amazing scenery they're my favorite i'd say kazakhstan and kyrgyzstan are definitely my top two favorite countries oh they they just sound so intriguing don't they And even when you arrive, so usually you arrive at an airport and you're just going to you go through the process of getting your suitcases and moving on. But there's something about when you first arrive in Almaty in Kazakhstan and you've been asleep on the plane and it's it's sort of early hours in the morning and you are brutally woken up by arriving in the immigration hall, which sort of has 1950s, 60s architecture. It has those glowing fluorescent green lights. And all the immigration staff wearing the big sort of dinner plates, military hats, and you know that you're in a different country and this is going to be such an experience. Get your case, you leave the airport and you're driving to Almaty. The sun's just coming up and you have the beautiful Tian Shen mountains, snow-top mountains, all around you on the drive into the city. So you have been able to experience amazing destinations with amazing people, and you've mentioned some of the amazing people that you've met. But do you have an ideal travel companion in your mind? If you could travel with anybody in the world, who would you go with? Michael Palin. Hands down, Michael Palin. He would just be an amazing travel buddy. He would keep you entertained. You would could get lost together. You could explore new places together. I always remember him um, describing arriving at Cairo train station and just being completely bemused by not being able to find Platform 10, where everybody was telling him, your train leaves from Platform 10. No signage. It wasn't there at all. And I thought, I've been there. I've been in exactly the same situation. Oh, he would just be a great travel companion. So lastly, Pippa, I'm going to ask you this. And I ask everybody on the podcast this. So you may have had a little bit of time to prepare, but I still think it catches everybody out because it's a moment for everyone to reflect and think really hard about this question. But out of all of the places you've travelled and all of the people you've met and all of the experiences you had... Where in the world has captured your heart the most and why did they or did that place capture your heart? Oh, there are so many that I could answer this with, but I think it has to be Cairo. I do slightly feel like Egypt is my second home, Um, but Cairo is just mesmerising. You're driving around those six lanes of traffic, all going different directions. You've got juggernauts, followed by donkeys and carts, and the sound of that constant beeping, constant horns. 
And then you've got the skyscraper, glitzy buildings next to mud brick buildings. You've got the mosques, the sounds, the smells, the, the Cairo food. Oh. Cairo would be, is my favourite place, I think. It's a real collective mix, isn't it, of new and old. Thank you so much for joining us. I think that's the perfect way to end this podcast in Cairo, one of your favourite places and my own. So Pippa, thank you so much for spending the time to talk to us about all of your amazing journeys and the places you've been and the people you've met. Thank you very much for having me as a guest. We hope you've enjoyed the latest episode of Passport 2, People and Places. Look out for our next episode, where we'll be talking to more guests about the people and places that have inspired them the most. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please do get in touch. Thanks for listening. Listener.